This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar, because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer. It's it's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. All right, welcome to Guitar Talk, everybody. Hey, it's Jimmy Warren here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Boy, I tell you what, we have a great, great show in store for you today. An absolute privilege to spend some time with one of the most iconic rock groups of all time, Leonard Skinner. That's Ricky Medlock. That's right, Ricky Medlock, the guitarist for Leonard Skinner, is going to be with us here in just a few minutes. And that, you know, before we get into this, I just wanted to let you know that you can go now to guitartalkofficial.com. And, you know, if you're a guitar player, there is so much there for you. We have uh, demos of gear and uh, different guitar uh, products. We've got album reviews, CD reviews. We've spotlighted guitarists so that you can, you know, get to know, uh, you know, different guitar players from around the world. Uh, We've got a video series on Guitar Talk TV called Hidden Gems, where we uncover just some amazing players from all over the world. Uh, We have Gear Life, which where we do uh, demos and product uh, reviews. There's just so much happening. So, and, and we've got our own store. Now you can get yourself some Guitar Talk swag. That's right. You can go get yourself a nice coffee mug and an iPhone case and a couple of t-shirts you know what i mean that you can you know tout around the house and out in public to show people that you support guitar talk so you can go there guitartalkofficial.com now we all know leonard skinner to be one of the most recognizable southern rock bands of all times and as you may know ricky medlock is also you know the founding member of the southern rock band blackfoot Uh, His history is very interesting. Uh, The stories he has are really cool, and they take you back in time sometimes. And I tell you what, you start to uh, look at his life and go, wow, man, this guy has had a really, really interesting life. So you're really going to enjoy this if you're a Skinner fan and if you're just a guitar fan because you know Ricky's a beast. You know it. So here we go. I'm going to shut up. Uh, this is Ricky Medlock from Leonard Skinner. Well, there he is. Hey, brother, can you hear me? I can hear you just great, man. <laughs> I'm glad we could work this out. I really appreciate you doing it. Oh, this. yeah, man. Any, Yeah, no problem. I figured, you know, the best time to get rock stars is when they can't work. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, I've always tried to, you know, tell you, James, I've always tried to accommodate uh, as best I could, even when I'm on the road, Um, you know, to, you know, to talk to people and, you know, to to do these kind of things. So I'm really happy to be uh, that we were able to work it out and be here with you today. 
Yeah. You know? Well, I appreciate that. And yeah, so, man. Um, Jared James Nichols told me yesterday to tell you hello. Really? He did. He did. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but by the time this airs, it'll be okay. He's got a new guitar coming out. I love, listen, he is just a, uh, wow. How should I say it? Uh, Jerry is, you know, he's just a, a really good, really, really good guitarist. Yeah. Um, he's so talented. And, um, you know, what can you say about him? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's just unbelievable. Well, I, I figured you had to be a fan. I mean, you own one of his guitars. Didn't you have Gibson make you one like his? Well, here's the way that, uh, yes. As a matter of fact, I did. Um <laughs> I knew of that guitar for years and, and it was so interesting because he ended up, you know, doing a series of dates with us um, with Skinner over in Europe. And um, I saw this guitar the very first time and I went, wow, there's one of those guitars, you know, that I've heard about for quite a while, you know, yeah. And I said, man, I would love to get my hands on one. So um, it just happened that Gibson, um, through our endorsement deal at the time, Gibson actually owed me um, a couple of guitars, you know, building me a couple. And I was like, man, I've got a great idea. I want one of, of uh, I want one of Nichols's uh single uh pickup Les Pauls uh with a P90. They knew exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. And um they ended up making me one. Uh made me one. Didn't take them very long. And um they made it for me. I took it out on the road and now it's like one of my go-to guitars. Yeah. I mean I just love the feel of it, uh the weight, the body weight. Um, it, it's comparable, believe it or not, the body weight is comparable to my old Karina Wood, uh, Explorer. Oh, really? It's kind of that light. Yeah. When you get all that other like hardware that's on a Les Paul off the guitar and you stick that one B90 in it, <laughs> it's like, it makes, it really does. It really does make a difference. Yeah. You know, the, so when, when, when I brought it out, he happened to see that I had it. Yeah. And, uh, I thanked him over and over, man, for, you know, I said, man, I got to tell you, you inspired me so much to get one. So there you go. He was, he was a great, he was a, the inspiration for it. Yeah. Well, it, it, I've almost pulled the trigger on that guitar many times myself. Yeah. Uh, I've always thought it, it, it looked fascinating to me and, and definitely after talking with him and hearing him, you know, uh, kind of do a demo of the new one, it's like, this is a no brainer. It sounds like something, you know, you yeah. I mean, it's an Epiphone, so it's not a, you know, it's not a $10,000 guitar. It's really affordable for a lot of guys, mm -hmm. you know, which, is, which is really nice. And so, yeah, yeah, you know, so man, you have had one of the, one of the coolest careers, you know, <laughs> Uh, anybody could ever imagine 
And so I got to, I got to ask you, you know, when you were young and you were playing and you were just starting out, could you, did you have any idea that your, that your life was going to go in that direction? Well, um, as a lot of people have read before, of course, um, you know, I was raised uh, with my grandparents right. and uh, my granddaddy Shorty was the musician uh, extraordinaire of the family. Uh, the guy was so absolutely incredibly talented. Uh, I don't, I, and I'll, and I've said this before and I'll sit here again today and say it that I don't think he really knew just how talented he was. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's cool. And uh, what was really, really cool was, is that I grew up around all this music, you know, starting at a very, very, very uh, young age. Uh, my, They would take me, he and my grandma, you know, he would be on the road and when she would go on the road with him and whatever bands and stuff like that, I mean, I went right along with him because I was a toddler and then a young, a young chap, you know, and uh, I slept in dresser drawers, uh, you know, in hotel room on the road that my, you know, that my mom would make me, you know, and a um, couple of interesting stories about that. As a matter of fact, that he got up one night, I think to use the bathroom, whatever, and happened to run into it with his leg and forgot that I was in there and shut the drawer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, I was a road kid. I and I, and I was a music kid. I mean, I grew up around all these great musicians that he either played for or played with. Um, he was in and out of Nashville, playing with a lot of your older uh, country people. Um, he played in and around Jacksonville with his own band. Um, as a matter of fact. Um, he, he was on a TV show, uh, that originated out of Jacksonville called the Toby Dowdy show. And it aired on a Saturday night and it was broadcast on what is now called WJXT channel four, which back then it was WMBR, but it originated out of Jacksonville and it was a country show called the Toby Dowdy show. And he was one of the band guys. And what happened was, is that my granddaddy taught me how to play banjo at the age of three, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, the banjo was bigger than I was. <laughs> it would have to but be. what he did was he found a miniature banjo for me and bought it. And it was, and I still have it. It's a real little thing. And it's got a calfskin head on it. And uh, he taught, he, he strung it up, tuned it, and taught me how to play that. Well, he went to Toby one time and he said, hey, look, he said, I got an idea. I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but he said, I've taught my grandson to play a couple of songs with me on the, on the banjo. Uh, my grandson is now three. And I'd like to bring him on the show. And <laughs> um, Toby thought about it. He says, well, that is, that's a kind of an interesting idea. I think our audiences 
being family people, you know, family-oriented audiences, of course, would probably love that. Well, he brought me on the show, and from the very first moment I was on the show, uh, I was on there as a regular from 1953 to 1958. And believe it or not, all these great people would be as would be the guest stars on on that show. And I'll tell you what's really, really cool, because when you're a kid back then, you know, you watch Westerns and you watch all the, the popular shows back then, you know. And so Toby would have these like guests from Hollywood uh, to come on his show when they were doing personal appearances going through Florida. And so I got to meet Roy Rogers and Trigger. He had them on the show. Uh, I got to meet the original Lassie. And the real, the the coup de grace of all people to me, one of my biggest, you know, shows that I loved was uh, The Lone Ranger. Yeah. And because I knew I was, my parents were teaching me that I was, you know, uh, I had a lot of native blood in me and, you know, from my father and some of my mother and my biological mother and father. And so, you know, Tonto and the Lone Ranger were the thing, you know, yeah. and lo and behold, Clayton Moore came on the show. And here I am as a kid, maybe what, five years old? you know, or whatever, standing there in front of Silver and the Lone Ranger. <laughs> and um, I got to sit on Silver, and he walked me around on him, you know, and um, he actually gave me one of his silver bullets. Oh, wow. And uh, I've got it here somewhere in some of my stuff. But um, it was it was badass. I mean, but that's the the environment I grew up in. Yeah. And I'll tell you what happened with me. And I've got tons of stories. You know, my, my better half keeps telling me, you need to write a book, you know, of just stories that you have, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you know, God forbid nothing happening to me in the next few years, I probably will. But let me tell you, this is how my rock and roll awareness came to light and what happened was Elvis was coming to town at the end of 56 1956 to the Florida theater and he was going to do two nights Florida theater was a very popular place because it was an old opera theater that had been built in Jacksonville well he came to Jacksonville and he got a meeting with a lady named May Axton and a guy named Tommy Durden. Now, my daddy knew all of these musicians and all of these pers people personally. May Axton, Hoyt Axton's aunt, um, she was in Jacksonville and she actually babysat for me, uh, you know, used to babysit me uh, from time to time. Well, um, she got a meeting, her and Tommy Durden got a meeting with Elvis Presley to sell him, play him a song to see if he would do it. And uh, it was so cool, man, because uh, they got the meeting, they played the song for him. 
Well, the fa- as the famous story goes, always Elvis, if he did anybody's songs, he demanded to get 50% of the publishing. Well, they gave it to him. Yeah. And he gave them tickets to the show that night. Well, May couldn't go to the show. She had all these tickets. So she gave my dad and my ma the tickets. And they took me to see Elvis the second night at the Florida theater. Mm -hmm. And I sat about five rows back, pretty well dead center. And I got to see the King when the King was really the King. Mm -hmm. And I remember that made such an impression in me when I was six years old and I was almost seven. I would have been seven, two months later. But we're on our way home, and I'm in between my mom and my dad. And I remember my dad looked over at me, and he used to tell this story to everybody. My dad looked over at me and said, well, son, what did you think of that? And I said, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. Yeah. And that's what I did. I dedicated my life to this, to the art, uh, to this life, you know. And I tell you what. Uh, James, there was never a moment in my life that I ever questioned, uh, was I going to make it? There were, there were ups and downs and hard times like everybody knows. And, you know, you question yourself about certain aspects of your life, but I always had the belief that everything would work out mm-hmm. for the best. And I followed that. And here we are sitting here talking today. Well, you know, yeah. Well, you know, you've uh, you've been a solid player. I mean, you're a very talented player, but you're equally as entertaining, right? Well, thank you. You go, you go to a Skinner show. You know, uh, you actually, within your own right, put on your own little show. It seems like <laughs> I don't. You know, I, I mean that in a good way. I really well, Johnny do. loves to Johnny loves to joke sometimes and say, you know. Sometimes he'll introduce the band. He'll say, now this guy over here, we keep him caged up till right before the show. And <laughs> and then we unlock the cage and let him loose. You know, um, I'm like my, I'm like my granddaddy. My granddaddy was an incredible entertainer. And um, it was amazing because I watched how he would uh, handle audiences and uh, be like a front man. And um, I loved, you know, I loved uh, the art, you know, the fact of entertaining people uh, when they come to a show, you know, they come to be entertained. They, they come to pay their money and to, you know, see the bands and forget their problems, forget their troubles and their blues for an hour and a half or two hours. And, um, you know, if I have a bad night, um, I try not to let it show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, if something ain't clicking with me, I, I shake it off and I just go, Hey, you know, so what you're having, so what you're not having is an explosive night as you did last night, but you still got to have an explosive night tonight. So I just punch through it, you know? Yeah. And because I feel, uh, if I don't have that explosive night, even though I'm having a bad one, I feel like I cheated somebody. I feel like I, um, I don't know. I feel like I, you know, didn't pull my 
you know, pull my pants up and go, okay, man, you know, man up, let's go for it. You know? Mm -hmm. So I love the art of entertaining. Um, there's been a lot of great front men who were just incredible entertainers, you know? So I, I cut my teeth on, you know, Elvis, I cut my teeth on, you know, the Beatles. I got to see the Beatles in Jacksonville, Florida, 1964 on their tour, uh, at the Gator Bowl. Um, I saw almost every single solitary rock and roll show that would come through Jacksonville because we had an incredible promoter there named Sidney Drashton, who owned Jet Set Enterprises. And dude, he brought anybody and everybody to Jacksonville. And there wasn't, sometimes, man, you'd get three out of four weekends in Jacksonville that that were loaded with entertainment at the Jacksonville Coliseum or the Jacksonville Civic Auditorium, depending on how big the band was. Yeah. Uh, I saw the monkey. I saw <laughs> Hendrix open for the monkeys. Uh, see, that's, that's crazy. Hendrix opening for the monkeys. Oh, it was, it was the most ridiculous lineup. Yeah. You know, but I saw, uh, I saw Hendrix three times. Um, I saw cream. Uh, I saw Zeppelin. Um, I saw, you know, free. I saw, oh my God, all these bands, these great bands back then because of Jet Set Enterprise. They were just, they were the cat's ass back then. Yeah. That's, yeah. Really cool. That's really cool. Well, you can also tell, you know, from just talking with you and even watching you that there has to be a deep passion outside of the, you know, the desire to want to entertain and, you know, and show off your skills and that. Right. The passion for, for playing guitar and for music. I mean, it's, it definitely comes through, you know, um, because, you know, once again, you know, you, you could tell when you're watching somebody, you're talking to somebody, if they really mm -hmm. love playing the guitar, because some people play guitar because it earns them a living, right? Some people do it just because, you know, it's it's a, a means to an end. They enjoy it, but it's a means. Oh, yeah. And then there's other people that are really passionate about the guitar and, and the music that they're playing in that. And I am. I mean, I, um, I, you know, I mean, I have all these guitars and every day, I mean, I pick up a guitar every day. Yeah. Because I love <laughs> I love playing the guitar. I mean, um, and, and, you know, it's like, I've never considered myself, you know, I guess that's the way my, my folks raised me, uh, especially my, you know, my granddaddy. I mean, my granddaddy always said, look, man, no matter how good you get to be and whatever, you know, your feet need to stay flat on the ground because you might think you're great, but there's always somebody greater. Yeah. So, you know, the, you know, the humbleness that you show, you know, will come through where everything else doesn't. Yeah. And um, I've always believed that I've never, I've never thought of myself as a, an incredible guitar player. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a player and yeah. I do. And I, and what I try to do is I try to give my passion and my, my talent uh, to the immediate thing of what I'm doing and, and let my plan stand as is. 
Now, one of the things that I uh, find interesting is the fact that you pretty much go just from the guitar to the amp. You're not a guy that uses a lot of pedals <laughs> or anything. No, like that. no, I don't. You know, and I know that you had the the incident where you lost, you know, your '70s, you know, Marshalls and stuff. And there was a period of time where you weren't really sure where you're going to land when it comes to an amp. What what did you end up with? I mean, what are you using now? Well, when we lost all of our stuff in the flood of Nashville, yeah, uh, I was heartbroken. I mean, I had I had lugged those marshals around all my life, pretty well much, you know. Yeah. And uh, they went they went through so many tours with me, uh, so many re records with me, uh, recording sessions. I mean, they were like my they were like my old friends, you know. And when I lost those, man, I was just like, wow. Okay, so what do I do now, you know? Well, um, we were due to go back on the road. And we didn't have a load of time uh, after that. And I said, I need to get a hold of, of Marshall and see if I can't get him to, you know, if I can't work out something, you know, to get me, you know, to get me some marshals on the road and, you know, some cabinets and all that stuff, you know, because everything amp wise and cabinet wise was just totally destroyed. Um, so I got a hold of a representative from Marshall, told him my situation, uh, told him what I was up against. And uh, they kindly informed me that they really weren't doing anything for classic rock artists anymore, that they were gearing themselves toward the younger uh, guitarists, younger generation and, you know, so forth and so on. I went, really? Are you kidding me? Wow. After all the marshals I've bought and after I've played them all my life <laughs> and been out on the road and, you know, <laughs> that's heartbreaking. And I went, wow, this guy's telling me I'm being put out to pasture, you know? Yeah. So my friend, I got a friend of mine named Damon Johnson, a great guitar player, uh, was the lead guitar player, lead singer for a group back in the 80s called Brother Kane that had a pretty good run of success. And then as of late, he joined uh, the reformation of Thin Lizzy and he joined uh, Black Star Riders and, you know, he's he's still around and he's still doing good. Well, he was playing with Alice Cooper at the time. And what was so funny was, man, uh, I went to see him here. I'm in Fort Myers and they were in Naples. Alice was playing in Naples and so uh, me and my uh, me and my better half, we, you know, Drove down to Naples, and um, there's Damon. And I looked at what he was using, and I mean, I went, man, what's up with these? What's up with these amps that you're using? These wizards. And he was like, yeah, man. He said, there's a guy named Rick Saint Pierre uh, that works with ACDC, has worked with ZZ, and you know, with Billy and everything. <coughs> Pardon me, and. Um, he said, you got to check them out. 
And so he went out there, you know, and he was blowing through and everything. And they sounded phenomenal. And he said, they're built like the old uh, Plexi Marshalls. He said, Rick St. Pierre builds them to those specs. They And so I went, wow. Well, I kind of forgot about it until all of a sudden I was like, man, you know, I got to get a hold of somebody to get some amplifiers because <laughs> I didn't want to take no more of my old marshals that I still got. I didn't want to take no more of those on the road with me. Yeah. So I got a hold of Damon. Damon gave me Rick St. Pierre's number and I got all of Rick. Well, he was home for three or four days from the ACDC tour world tour. And he was getting stuff ready to go back out, blah, blah, blah. blah. And um, I, I explained, I said, told him who I was and explained to him what had happened. And he goes, man, I am so sorry to hear that, man. I said, look, if you can help me out here with, uh, with, with a couple of amps to get me back up and get me running, he goes, well, what, what were you using? And I explained it to him. He said, that sounds like the classic vintage model we have to where it's like the old ones where you had stage one here. And what you would do is you'd plug in here. Uh, you had four, you know, four jacks, right. jack plate right here, where you'd plug in the top left. And then you'd plug in the, to the bottom left and jack it over to the top right like you did the old marshals. Right. Right? Yeah. And he said, this is what sounds like you love, Ricky. It sounds like you love a lot of punch, a real beefy sound, but yet you like it clean, cleaned up. When you roll it off, when you roll off the volume, you like to clean up. I went, yes, that's what I like. Yeah. He said, you're going to have to jack these amps. I said, hey, man, I ain't scared of damn volume, man. That's what I've always lived off of, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he asked me what I was using as far as pedals. I went, I don't use no stomp boxes out there. I said, I got a little bit of back behind me that my guitar <coughs> tech puts on every night, a little bit of chorusing, and that's it, you know? I said, I like to spread the signal out just a little bit, you know, where it widen, widens it out. Well, man, he said, I'll tell you what, Ricky, I got one. He said, I got two amps here. They're different facing. He said, one is the, uh, you know, one is the got the gold lettering on it, like the old Marshall. But the other one is a black face that's got white lettering. I said, I don't really care, man, as long as I can get up, get something, and get up and get rolling. Man, him and his guy put together two amps, two cabinets, and had them sitting at where the trucks were getting ready to pull out uh, two days later. Wow. I, I went in to sound check that day. Uh, my guitar tech, uh, Chris Rugolo, hooked them up for me. We got them up, got them running, and, man, from the very beginning of plugging into those things, man, it was like being on my old Marshalls again. I mean, I never draw. I never missed a step. Well, you know, there's so many great boutique builders out there, you know. Oh, 
you get a, you get apart from the mainstream players, you know, like Marshall and Fender and that. There are so many great amps and great guitar builders too. Oh my god, yep. you know, no. it's, it's amazing. And pedals too. Oh, it's crazy. Well, that's you really know what, cool. man. I, I got to tell you, I, you know, I collected. Oh man, for so many years, you know, I collected guitars and bought old guitars and oh my god man just it was crazy you know and i finally got to the point you know i said you know really how many do i really need to have anymore you know i mean gibson was giving me guitars and and i was you know all these years and i was buying uh old vintage ones and just uh and i finally got to the point like (laughs) You know what, man? I ain't gonna be able to take these things with me when I go. Right. So you know, my my family will inherit them. My daughter and you know my my better half and and up my brothers and I mean a lot of people. I guess they'll inherit my stuff. But you know, I I said to myself, I'm done. I'm done buying anymore. You know. Yeah. So I stick with what I got, man. I got that beautiful old Explorer mine, the original one. And I got another old Explorer. Actually, I've got three, one, two, three. I got four Explorers here, yeah. you know? I've got old Les Pauls. I've got old Les Paul specials. I've got, you know, I'm just, I got, I'm guitared out to yin-yang. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. But on the road, see, that's a different story. I got my favorite go-tos that I just really love that, you know, really um, I'm looking around right now. Uh, I got my favorite go-tos that I really love putting my hands on uh, for live playing. And of course you, every time you've, you know, a lot of people, every time they've seen me, of course, my main guitar is, you know, the Explorer. Right. But I also play a reverse body firebird, man. I got a, this is, this is just a unique story, but I got this old firebird, man, when I was quite young and come to find out, I found out many, many, many years later. And after having it stolen and it returned to me and going through all kind of battles, this guitar went with me and stuff come to find out, man, had it at Gibson at the custom shop. And, uh, they were doing the Leonard Skinner commemorative series uh, guitars and all that stuff. So I had my old Firebird there, and they couldn't figure out why um, the original schematics for the production models, uh, why mine wasn't measuring up to that. Come to find out, mine was one of very few prototypes that <laughs> – that they that they had built this is what's really interesting because your production models really didn't come out till 63 mine was made in 61 oh wow and uh yeah man so that's been my old one of my old buddies that has traveled everywhere with me i'll still play it right now on the road <laughs> i got a a great sign on my guitar vault that says nothing inside 
is worth dying for, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, That's funny. so that kind of puts the story there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of guys that wouldn't take those types of guitars on the road with them anymore, you know, just because of that stuff. But I got to be honest, you know, there's certain things that you expect to see when you go to a, a specific kind of show. And in all honesty, if I go see Leonard Skinner and I don't see you with that Explorer, yeah, you wonder what the hell's going on. Something <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> I have the right go. Is this really Leonard Skinner, or you know? <laughs> I got it. You know, it's funny that you say that because I got a really good friend of mine that. Uh, Oh, this is great. I got a really good friend of mine that came to see the band one night. And for some odd reason, I, I walked out at the very beginning. Uh, this was one of those weird nights that Chris Ruglo had had a problem with uh, my Explorer. She was being real cantankerous and like old ladies do. And, you know, uh, she just... She was in a mood. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And he couldn't get her out of the mood. All right. <laughs> and <laughs> so I walked out with a, I think I walked out with a, with a double cutaway, uh, Les Paul special, you know, a, a blonde one that had kind of yellowed out and everything is a 1960. And I walked out with that and I seen my friend, over here, he just goes, and I saw him nudge his buddy. He goes, what the is going on here? You know, yeah. so, <laughs> we played the show and finally toward the end of the night, Chris had it where she was, where she was feeling better. And I grabbed it and I had it, you know, and, and then I played free bird with it and the night was over. So she pretty she pretty well much got the night off, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, I I will never get my buddy my buddy instead of texting me or they calls me on the phone immediately. He goes, "Man, what the hell's going on with the Explorer, man? I, I swear it didn't seem it didn't even seem like you out there, you know?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know what you're saying. You know you you get to be synopsis with a certain guitar and. There you go, you know? Right. It's it's like Stevie Ray Vaughan without the the worn-down strat or Billy yeah. without an SG that's all pinstriped up or something. <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly it. Right. Yeah, it's like I can see why they called you and why they got you know worried. Because like I said, I'd be wondering if this was really Leonard Skinner, you know, or you, just some... <laughs> you know, I, I and and I'll tell you something, it's interesting that you say that because that's how I felt. God rest his soul, man. But that's how I felt the first time that I saw Eddie without his yeah. Stratocasters, the red and black, white, and, you know, weirded out, you know, strats. And he's playing these other guitars. And I'm like, wow, what is this? Yeah. I, I just, for some reason, and he, and what he was doing great. I mean, he was Eddie. And he was, you know, Mr. Guitar God. But I just never could get used to seeing him without those homemade, you know, guitars like that. It right. was weird. Right. Well, you know, you get known for those things. You know, it's like people expect Slash to have a Paul and, 
Yeah. It's to have a, a mirrored, you know, Ibanez and it just becomes a party. And that's what people expect. In oh that. yeah, man. But that's really cool that you, that you, that you have that kind of legacy, if you will, you know, that yeah. people are paying attention. I mean, after decades, you know, here you're, you're, you know, you not only have the success that you have, but you've got all these people like myself that, you know, uh, know you from not just, you know, the music, but from the instruments you play and right. Oh, the, and how you play them and stuff like that. I think that's really cool. Now, now when you were with, with, uh, uh, your family in the very beginning and you were just starting out, did they make you, did you learn music, you know, like in theory or anything, or was it all just, yeah. no, man, I, <laughs> you just learned by, by well, my, my granddaddy, um, he had a, and he played the hell out of it too, but, uh, and I got it now it's, it's with me, but well, it's not with me right now. It's with my, uh, my better, my better, my other better, you know, my gal, she loves, it's an old mid forties, J 45. Okay. And it's got my, it's got my granddaddy's spirit all over it. Well, that seemed like a when I was a kid, you know, at the age of five years old, I wanted to play guitar. And believe it or not, I started out actually playing left-handed. Wow. I, I picked it up like this because my, my granddaddy had a guy in his band named Dean O'Neill. And Dean played left-handed. So I just thought it was... I thought that's what you do, whichever way it fell in your lap. Right. That's what you learned, you know? Yeah. And I started out like that. Well, then all of a sudden I got kind of self-conscious because, you know, my granddaddy played right-handed and one of the other guitar players that he had played right-handed. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing people on TV and they're playing right-handed. I'm like, wow, maybe I'm wrong, you know? So at, at the age of five, I started playing he showed me G, C, and D, right? Mm. And um, he said, okay, here's G, C, and D, and I learned those. And he goes, okay, you're on your own. And I was like, wait a minute, what? You know, <laughs> what happened to all these other chords? Well, Dean actually ended up showing me, you know, quite a few other chords and Stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, what I ended up doing was, man, I, you know, I see Elvis playing an acoustic guitar and, you know, I've seen all these great, like Scotty Moore and all these other great guitar players, man, playing and kind of watching them and emulating them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, well, maybe this is how you learn to play guitar. So, I'd listen to records. I'd listen. I'd watch TV. I'd watch my daddy's band. You know, they'd rehearse in our living room or whatever. And I'd be, I'd have a dead beat on the guitar players. And I saw what they were doing, you know, the G, the C, the D, the F, A, E, E minor, all that stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I got educated in the fact that you only got seven chords. <laughs> that everything is formulated out of. Right. And I thought to myself, wow, that'll be easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, 
I said, this will be, this will be an easy thing to learn. Well, little did I know it wasn't that easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I started learning all these chords and, um, back then you didn't have really what you say. You didn't have music teachers like they do when you fast forward 25, 30 years ahead of time. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, all of a sudden I didn't learn the music theory and I didn't learn my music theory teacher was a record player yeah. and records. And I mean, we'd put a record on if we were learning leads we put a record on, slow it down, slow the record down, learn the lead that way, then speed it up, rehearse to the lead. Right. I mean, I learned old blues licks from my granddaddy yeah. and from old blues records, like, uh, you know, Robert's, you know, like Sunhouse and Robert Johnson and uh, Huddy Ledbetter and, and Mississippi John Hurt. And you'd listen to all these guys. And listen to how they play guitar. Then the next thing you know, you're the next thing you know, you got Hendrix on the scene, and then you got Eric Clapton on the scene, and you hear all this bluesiness coming out of their playing. Well, I was raised in the in the bluesiness. Like my granddaddy Shorty was actually more of a of a Delta blues player than anything, than really a country guy. And um, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, that was why Ronnie. Uh, one of the inspirations for Curtis Lowe was about my old man because Ronnie and those guys would come over to the house when we were getting ready to go to rehearsal or whatever, and Ronnie would sit there and want my old man to play the dobro on his knee. Well, there you go. That is uh, Ricky Medlock, ladies and gentlemen, of Leonard Skinner, right here on Guitar Talk. With me, Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in today. I want to thank Ricky for uh, participating in this episode. We love the guys at uh, Leonard Skinner. They're they're really uh, great guys and an awesome band. So you know what? When those guys get back out on the road, make sure that you go support them and show them a little bit of love. So thanks again. Shout out there to Ricky. You know what? Uh, next week. Uh, actually, this weekend, in just a few days, on the Sunday coming up here, uh, we have two great guitar players, one from Nashville and one from uh, Virginia in the Washington, D.C. kind of area. We're, uh, Steve Purcell from uh, Nashville and Michael Tash from uh, the Virginia area. Both of them are great uh, guitar players, play all kinds of music, Um you know, Steve, you know, toured with Ron Keel for a long time, you know, so he shared the stage with some big guys like Paul Stanley and, you know, the bass player from Megadeth and, you know, a lot of great people in that. So you're really going to enjoy this. They've got a lot to say and they're really good players. So you're going to love that. And then also on the 17th, uh, my next big show is with Kirk Fletcher. Wednesday the 17th, you want to tune in. Kurt Fletcher is going to be with me. Everybody knows who Kurt Fletcher is, right? I mean, if you're a guitar player, especially if you're in the blues, you absolutely love Kurt Fletcher. So he's going to be joining us in that. Do me a favor. Make sure that you go to Facebook and uh, follow me at Jimmy Warren Radio. And then also on Twitter and Instagram. And hey, if you're a guitar player, I've got a Facebook group called Guitar Talk. Uh, look it up. 
and you know submit a request to to join you know we let players in and that and it's a community of uh, all kinds of players that absolutely love the guitar and there's a lot of cool stuff in there and there's some really really great people that are involved in that group so uh so hit me up you know and uh there we go and if you got a question you know if you'd like to see a guest if you have a question for an upcoming guest because you can see who's coming up on guitartalkofficial.com you know send me an email at info at warrenblues.com and I will respond, you know. That's one thing people will tell you. I do communicate with people that listen to the show. I want to connect with you. So uh, so there, there we go. So until uh, Sunday, when my guest is uh, Stephen Purcell and Michael Tosh, uh, I'm Jimmy Warren with Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you there. Have a great night.